Are you ready for some football? No. That's right. We're a Riverdale recap podcast here to talk about Chapter 85, Destroyer by Ace Hassan, directed by Rob Seedinglands. This episode opens with some good old traditional Jughead narration. Quoting one one of the the classics of, of the form, Arthur C. Clarke. How either... We're alone in the universe, or we're not, and both are equally terrifying. As Jughead does alien things. He does alien th- He's got an oscilloscope that sometimes means alien things. Alien things! You know. He has a new hobby. I'm proud <laughs> of him for branching out, you know, trying something different. You know how Riverdale is a mix of technology from today back to the 50s? Yes. That means he can still run SETI at home to try to find the aliens. Yeah. 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 Betty goes uh, to her mom, who is who is not doing very well. She's entirely checked out. Alice is not here right now. Please leave a message. Betty is trying to reassure her that just because there was blood all over that phone booth, which is we... definitely the phone booth that Polly used, we don't know that it's her blood. Stranger things have happened. Just so... wait until the analysis to come back to tell us if it's her blood or not. Don't, don't get bent out of shape. And she's like, maybe you should go back to your support group, Mom. And you know what Alice says to that? She pours herself a fucking glass of wine. Yeah, to, to mix with her prescription that uh, the, the scene started on. A very tight close-up on a pill bottle. Do what you gotta do, Alice. I get it. It's fine. I bet the Dead Kids support group is the biggest social gathering in all of Riverdale. Okay, so here's the thing. I don't think it's the Dead Kids support group. It's it could be. It's the missing child support group. When you're, depending on how your child goes, you get kicked out <laughs> and you have to go join one of two other support groups. The found missing child or the dead missing child. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She belongs to the missing child of hope. Okay, it's it's sort of the halfway house support group. Then we go to our first football scene of many. <laughs> this many. Okay. Oh, the highs and lows of high school football. Do we experience them? It's a lot it, of lows. It's a real roller coaster. Uh, so <laughs> the, the trailer told us this episode would be a lot about Polly. There's a lot of Polly. There's a lot more football. We we, we check up on Kevin, his emotional state, and his relationship. Guess what? It's not great. There's a lot more football, though. (laughs) It's so much fucking football. And they, like, went all out with, like, the stereotypical, it's a raining football game. It's a foggy football game. It's a Friday Night Lights football game. Like... We're going to get a new plot soon with Jughead taking on a special new kid. There's so much more football, though. (laughs) So this time it's the foggy football game. And they have absolutely no fucking person watching their game except Veronica and the cheerleaders. Veronica bought the team. She's there to see her investment. Nobody actually wants to see. The cheerleaders are not cheering. Literally not even these children's parents. No one is there. Absolutely no one. And the cheerleaders are pissed they have to be there. Yeah, they're they're sassing off to Cheryl, who's like, yeah, you, you probably should be practicing for regionals instead. This fucking sucks, kid. You're right. 
So so afterwards, uh, when they lose their game... Mm-hmm, as they always do, which is why no one wants to see them. Archie's giving his big pep talk, you know, stiff upper lip, we'll get him next time. It's, it's not about whether you win, it's how you play. That's the real victory. And Veronica comes in and she's like, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to give $10,000 to whichever motherfucker actually scores for the first time ever. <laughs> That's true. Not only are they winless, as you might expect... From a team that is only has 11 players. They're playing every side of the ball. They're tired. That's why they don't win. They have not scored a single point. <laughs> How many eggs is she selling to keep this up? She has quite the collection. <laughs> uh, so that, like, riles the troops. Uh, Archie also, like, is like, hey, kid, Derek kid, you're, like, the best football player. You're definitely, like, the all-star. Yeah. We love Derek. If anybody cheered for anyone, it would be for Derek. I like Britta. That comes later. But okay. yes, we love Britta. We, we love Britta, the, the big welding uh, uh, football lady. The, the one that if seven years didn't pass, it totally would have just been Jellybean. Yes, yes. If the, we did not do this time skip, this literally would have been Jellybean. I mean, she's what, like slightly younger than Jellybean? They would be best friends uh-huh. if Jellybean still lived in town. Yeah. 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 Uh, so after the children skadoot, Archie and Veronica have a little chat about how there's just zero fan support. Mm-hmm. You know, Riverdale was supposed to rally behind the team and Veronica gets an idea. She's mm-hmm. like, I, I, I got an idea. Way to motivate them. And he's like, well, coaches need motivation too. Wink, wink, wink. All right, Archie, here's $10,000. Coach better, damn it. He's like, I just meant we could fuck. (laughs) Kids are gone. Showers are open. That's where the children go. Don't fuck in their showers. (laughs) Meanwhile, uh, Jughead has a very energetic phone conversation with his agent. Yay, Sam. Welcome back, Sam. And he's like, talking all about alien shit and the dude's like so you're writing about aliens now he's like yeah yeah but also about like individual trauma and perhaps collective trauma and sam is not having it he knows he has a a real uphill battle to fight with scriveners in order to to get this sold but at the same time he's like maybe aliens at least you're writing something (laughs) Uh, I should mention, uh, back when we were introduced to Sam, I did point out that one of his previous roles was one of the Gokus for the Ocean Dub group. Goku! He's probably more famous for playing Rolf in Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Uh, did you did I, you watch that? No, oh, okay. I did not. He, he was a strange Eastern European lad who spoke to the, the Ed boys. He referred to them as the Ed boys. Oh. Yeah. That was on Nick, right? That was a Cartoon Network show. Cartoon Network. Yes. Okay. I'm going to pause, and you have to see Rolf. Okay. A turnip for your thoughts, Kevin? Come, join Rolf with the tradition of eels of forgiveness. Pull out your cards, Ed boys. So that guy's in charge of Jughead's career. Why doesn't he talk like that? (laughs) That'd be amazing. (laughs) Jug boy. That would have been so good. So yeah, he's like, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Veronica's big idea to motivate 
everyone Mm -hmm. is to go bug Tabitha to host a pancake breakfast mix and mingle Uh with the bulldogs in the town. (laughs) Because, you know, what everyone wants is to come eat pancakes with some teenagers. I cannot properly support a football team until I shake the hand of, of the tight end and I look him straight in the eye and I count how many pancakes he can eat. And here's the weird thing is when they first present this idea, I'm like, oh, okay, so like a pancake breakfast, we're going to raise some money. It's a fundraiser. That's yeah. great. No, it's just free. It's literally like we're giving away free pancakes because we're so desperate for you to support these teenagers. I guess that's how you get people to actually show up. Oh, people really like to rally behind like pancake breakfast. They they're clearly, like, yeah, they're clearly not rallying behind I'll pay anything. Five dollars for unlimited pancakes from a questionable <laughs> kitchen. It's the only kitchen in town. I'm thinking no about one has any traditional about pancake kitchen. breakfasts where it's not a restaurant, but yeah, like it's you a know, church basement. Yes, yeah. and you're like, I don't know who made that. <laughs> Quite honestly, I, I, I question the spaghetti dinners we hosted as young scouts back in my day. Who trusted 14-year-olds to cook spaghetti for, like, 300 people? Hey, it, as long as it's not pasta hibachi, it's not the worst it could be. That's what we call a callback in the business. I did see on um on a, a neighborhood Facebook group mm-hmm. some, some Girl Scouts uh, selling soup. Soup. Homemade soup. You... I don't want homemade soup from someone I don't know in the middle of a pandemic. I like the tag-along soup. I know they sell more of the Thin Mint soup. <laughs> oh my god. Can you imagine if it was Girl Scout cookie-themed soup? I, d- I did. I did I think, just imagine that. I think the only one that could turn out okay would be the lemon one. Like, you could do some, like, lemon wild rice soup or something, and that would be like, okay... I don't think you can do anything else. <laughs> you can't have peanut butter soup. So Tabitha agrees. And then Veronica's also like, hey, do you want to like be the like official sponsor of the Bulldogs too? Mm-hmm. I've said that she should be like five <laughs> episodes ago. What the fuck? And Tabitha agrees now that she's finally asked. So she's like, okay, like I'll order the pancake and the syrup. And Veronica's like, no, don't order the syrup. I know where to get syrup. So then they go bug Cheryl to try to get syrup, and Cheryl's like, fuck you. Then my syrup. She she guards it like a jealous dragon, the syrup. It is my precious. What she does tell Archie and Veronica during all this, though, is uh, that her vixens will show support one more time, and she will come out of retirement for the support. To, to give the people something they really want to see, her... Yeah. <laughs> Cheryl's... Now that Cheryl is back, she is... Oh, boy. She, She's intense. She, <laughs> I feel so bad for those cheerleaders. So then, uh, out of the corner of her eye, though, she sees Kevin, and she, like, is like, gotta go. Got something I gotta fix. Mm-hmm. Obviously, she's feeling some guilt. For once in her life. I, I kind of like... Veronica's plan because like it's not about the money or else they'd be selling the pancakes right it's about getting personal investment pops doesn't have to pay anything she's paying for everything they just got to slap you know their name on things because people like pops so they will like the team that pops likes yeah but I'm like you know you could raise money so then your boyfriend doesn't feel like he has to renovate your apartment to pay you back (laughs) 
but she wants her apartment renovated. She wants it real bad. That is not a healthy relationship. (laughs) Okay, so one other thing that happens here. Archie is just, like, really annoyed at (laughs) Cheryl and, and, like, how, you know, no one wants to have any school spirit or support anyone. So he goes up to Miss Bell and demands that she turn on the school announcement speaker. And then he starts the most passive-aggressive announcement I've ever heard. His first words are, you may not know this. But a bunch of your classmates are busting their ass. (laughs) So so, show some support. (laughs) God! <laughs> He's such a child! Show up to the free pancake breakfast, you assholes! <laughs> the thing is, this is really not overdramatic. No. This is very much what he's doing. It's so bad. It's so unprofessional. And the thing is, is I just imagine everyone in their classroom being like, what the fuck? Right? Like, the rest of this episode... Pretty much all of Archie's scenes is him as football coach. And everyone but this one, he's like the perfect, inspiring, like, I believe in you kids. Like, he fits the the role of the coach. Like, this is really, this is a good place to put this character. He he fits it like a glove. But in this moment, he's so childish and weird and wrong. And the thing is, is none of these people have even heard of this pancake breakfast (laughs) until this moment. And he is scolding them because he's like, I know you're not going to show up because you're a bunch of little assholes. And you won't even show up to a football game, you bitches. Nine out of ten people won't repost this on their Facebook wall. Can't you support children with cancer and butterflies? <laughs> A dog will die if you don't hit share. <laughs> and you're not gonna get $10,000 from your secret dead grandma. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Miss Bell is really regretting letting him push that button right now. <laughs> just, okay, can you imagine the call to Hiram right afterwards? So, so I think there's something you should know about. You don't Pancakes. have anything to worry. Their coach is on his last nerve. <laughs> he was ranting about pancakes? <laughs> So, uh, over in Jughead's classroom, I guess he dismissed class, like, right after this, because he's like, what the fuck? (laughs) I Um, I gotta go calm down my friend before he just, like, threatens to jump off the roof or something. I don't know. So, turn in your papers. Uh, so everyone is on their way out of class, and the last paper- They have- they're they're turning in their their short stories. That was their assignment. uh, Yes. To write a story. But in these, like, nice folders and binders, they all, they all have, like, chipboard covers, and it's all nice. I didn't notice that. Well, I did. Mm. Well, and the last one he gets has the, some original artwork. Yes, yes. It has this bestial face. Uh, the, the story is called As Above, So Below by Lerman Logan. Yes. We have a student named Lerman Logan, clearly named after uh, Percy Jackson actor Loman Lerman. Logan Lerman. Logan Lerman. Red leather, yellow leather. And Percibina Wildflower. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I think that's kind of more appropriate. For for our show. I mean, yeah, we watched that one. Yes. (laughs) But the, the title, of course, is taken from a film which was also used in an early season two episode as as a Riverdale episode title. Yes. But there you go. 
the art there's artwork drawn on it of a mothman ish thing some something that some... strikes jughead as that might be a, a, a one of them mothmans yeah uh, so, uh, meanwhile, over in shop class, uh, Betty gets a phone call from Glenn. Glenn. Uh, so her, uh, uh, phone call with Glenn isn't, uh, great, cause he's like, oh, so yeah, the blood is, uh, AB negative, which then only, like, 1% of the population has that. Including Polly. Okay, but then, then the conversation goes to well, was the, it a match for Polly? I feel like they talk about something like, is it Polly, though? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. But I don't feel like you just go off of blood type for that. <laughs> Be- between matching in- an incredibly rare blood type and already placing her in that exact same phone booth, like, it stands to reason that is Polly's blood. Or this is the work of the famed AB negative killer. He struck yeah. again. <laughs> So he's all like, I'm sorry. And then she's like, no, you're not. If you were, you would have cared and you would have done something and Mm -hmm. kind of goes off at him. Well, trying not to cry in front of her students. So we got rid of Chad. We're getting rid of Glenn. I'm a very happy boy. I'm so pleased. Yeah. So Jughead uh, takes this story to uh, Waldo. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because he's a little concerned because the story is about a kid who's held captive and then later... By mole men. By mole men. And then later gets uh, abducted by mothmen. And and gets abused. He gets beat the hell up. And then he's found on the lonely highway. And this... Or found on a highway. Not lonely, but highway. I mean, he's found alone. There's that. Jughead's concerned because he's like, this is pretty dark. I feel like there's, you know, something here... And Weatherby is very like kids write stories. Kids write stories, and Jughead's like, "Well, is there? What's the history with this kid?" He's like, "Oh, well, he's had a lot of broken bones and black <laughs> eyes, and you know, weird injuries." But like, I've talked to his parents; they're totally chill. They're cool. It's fine. Jughead sees this as as a cry for help, as a sign of an abused child, perhaps because he cannot imagine writing fiction. <laughs> Jughead's big breakout was basically his diary with the names changed. You know, like, going off of just the story, maybe not so much Jughead. Hearing Waldo say that shit, (laughs) you know what? You have every reason to be concerned, and I am concerned that your principal is not concerned. Right, right, right. There's that new show with Bilbo as a dad, and, like... One of their kids is really accident prone, and then they get uh, uh, yes. <laughs> investigated by child services. Yes. Oh, God. What was that show? I saw, like, one you episode. You saw that one yeah. episode. It was yeah. honestly hilarious. Breeders. Oh, yep. Okay. Meanwhile, uh, it is now time for the pancake meet and greet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cheryl does come through and bring the nectar of the gods. Yeah, which I guess means syrup. Syrup. <laughs> I mean... Buddy would agree. Buddy the elf. Yes, yes. If it's good enough to put a mothman in, it's good enough for the gods. Yeah. Chariots of the gods, perhaps. Maybe the mothmen are the gods. Disneyland of the gods. Yeah. There's there's a lot of alien books with gods in the title. Never mind. Uh, Archie is eating his pancakes with Derek and Derek's mother. And he's just like, you know, Derek, like, you're so great. I think you should be captain of the team. Uh, you'll, you're just, you really got it, buddy. And Derek's mom is like, okay, that's fine. But like, what are you going to do for my son? Yeah. And like, 
I get it is that she's trying to think about her child's future, but yes. she rips into Archie <laughs> in a really weird way. In a really weird setting. Like, like you're in public, ma'am. Also, like, he just offered your son captain of the football team, which is actually a very great resume builder for getting into schools. Yeah. Yeah, the team needs to win, but, like, he's doing all he can so far. <laughs> They've only been a football team for a week. Mama Derek recognizes that this is a bad situation. It's hard on everybody. But the best thing for her to do is to get her all-star son on a team that can actually win and therefore attract recruiters so he can get his uh, athletic scholarship. There's no way that that works with being the only decent player on a team that cannot even score. Yeah, but like... You don't have to yell at the teacher. <laughs> in, again, in public. The teacher who started a football team that it didn't exist three weeks ago. That's true. He would have been playing for no one if it weren't for him. Uh, so then uh, Reggie enters Pops, which uh, makes Veronica rush up to Archie and say, we have a situation. Because <laughs> Reggie is a situation. Reggie, I think, takes after the situation. That's yeah. his role model. Uh, so Reggie is there uh, to tar talk to Archie as a representative of the football league. The Greater Rockland County uh, High School Football Association. Rockland. Rockland County. Let me guess. It's seven hours from New York City. Rockland County is in New York State. Uh-huh. On the west side of the Hudson River. Uh-huh. Part of the New York City Metropolitan Statistical Area. It is a suburb of New York City. What? They did something about About six miles from the Bronx at their closest point. Oh my god, they did something right! They fucking did something right! What the hell? Oh my god! Let's pick out what the Lonely Highway is. We gotta find... Is, is the Hudson River just Sweetwater River? Darling, that water is not sweet. Uh... So, okay, all right. We, we got uh, Bear Mountain State Park, Harriman State Park. Cool, Bear cool. Mountain. Bear Mountain. Uh, Bear Manton, more like. Now, now we know. That's where Riverdale is, baby. Huh. I feel like I've got some Google mapping to do later. The League wants the Bulldogs to withdraw because they suck. They suck so bad. They're an embarrassment to everybody. Nobody wants the easy win. It's just too sad. So Reggie, like, volunteered to be the person to come, like, tell them they suck mm -hmm, um, and mm -hmm. Archie's like we're not gonna do that and he's like okay fine and on his way out he just starts telling all the kids that they're losers he's <laughs> one like, by one he you're a loser you're a loser you're a loser <laughs> hey lady your son's a loser you're a loser too loser loser like what the fuck it's so good I, I also love that in this conversation, uh, Reggie asks Archie if he's tired of losing. Like, come on. You have seen Archie lose so many football games. You were there. You were on the same team. He never gets sick of losing football games. He loves it. The thing I love is that Reggie has, like, become more of a child as an adult. It's because he's hanging out with Hiram, quite honestly. He's, he's very much someone who, like, you know, reflects his surroundings, uh, mm -hmm. in his behavior. He's and a bit of a sponge, that boy. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Sheriff Keller is helping Kevin pack. Because he's moving out. He's just like, you want to talk about this? Like, what the fuck you doing, kid? He is trying to be 
like supportive and there for him, but you can just tell he's so utterly confused yeah. about what the hell's happening. Much like everyone else in Kevin's life. And Kevin utters something about how, like, well, maybe you were right that I don't deserve a family. And both Sheriff Keller and us are like, <laughs> when? when? When did he say that? When did he what? imply that? He's done. He's been nothing but just deeply caring, supportive, and loving. There, there were moments in the first two seasons when we thought he might have been a killer. But even then... He was very supportive. <laughs> very supportive. The only thing we had concerns about was, like, him finding out it was a serpent boyfriend. He didn't care about the boyfriend. It was the <laughs> serpent part of it. <laughs> if he would have had the chance, he would have loved Joaquin. Yes. Yes. D don't we all? And so he's just like, what? You you think you don't deserve to be happy? Like, you do. And he, he tries to, like, have this conversation and Kevin just, like, leaves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> He's trying to get through to his boy. Ruining his life. What's going on? <laughs> so Veronica goes to Hiram and he's like, you, she's like, you're behind this. Because this is their only conversation. <laughs> and he's For like... the last nine years, every, everything has just been, you're behind this, aren't you, daddy? He's like, okay, here's the deal, daughter. All I know about the bulldogs is that they're garbage. <laughs> That's a direct quote. It's my favorite line. <laughs> and so then they go back and forth about some stuff. And then eventually they decide, like every conversation that they do, let's is to have, have a, a wager. Sure, let's make this a little more interesting. Put some spice on that meatball. I don't even. I don't even remember. Like, I guess, it's not even if they win. It's no. It's if, if they, they score. If they score. If Riverdale scores their very first points ever in their upcoming game against Stonewall, then uh, they get to stay in the league. If they're shut out yet again, then uh, the the team folds and they go along with the wishes of the Fulton of the Rockland County High School Football Association. Or as she calls them, the Legion of Doom. Yes. Yes. It's after Jughead's class the next day, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, Lerman, stick around. I want to talk to you. And this is when it really, it really comes out that none of these teachers have any type of certification or training or not even like fucking mandated reporter and a, like training of any sort. Mm -hmm. Because what does Jughead do? Again, this is something that they would have had to complete it to work at a public school. But as a private school... <laughs> Most private schools require this shit, too. Not this one. I've never even officially worked for a school. I have worked for many child organizations. Usually you can't even step foot in a school without having mandated reporter training. <laughs> and this isn't just doing, like, a training to know when to report, but a training on how to talk to possible abuse victims, which is usually... You don't ask them questions, you let them just tell you stuff. What does Jughead do? He asks the kids a lot of questions. Yes, yes. About things that may have inspired uh, the events of As Above, So Below by Lerman Logan. The way this conversation goes is he's like, you know, it was a really great story. It was awesome. What inspired it? Dreams. Who hit you? Who hit you, kid? <laughs> Basically. Tell me their names. Was it your mom? <laughs> so he's like dreams and he's like oh dreams well you know so, some people believe things about aliens have to do with trauma do you got trauma is this a cry for help are you abused are this you okay is, this is the last time this kid makes the mistake of turning in his homework is this 
real? Is this a real thing that happened to you, child? Answer me, boy. And he runs away. And I'm like, oh my god. If you think this child is being abused, you don't ask them. You don't just straight up tell me about your childhood abuse. You know what you do? You put in a call to the tip line and they look into it. My gosh. So it did not go well. Child's gone. Child ran away. Betty, meanwhile, goes to Cheryl Mm -hmm. and is like, hey, when your brother died, were you upset? (laughs) (laughs) What was that like? When your brother died? That defining moment of your entire life? How did it affect you? Like, I know I was there for when you tried to drown yourself in the river, but like, how did it affect you? Was Was it soul crushy? I was also there when you tried to dedicate every single significant moment of your life to the memory of your dead brother. Uh, do you remember that time I sent you the evidence that your dad killed your brother? How was that? That was me, remember? How did you process did everything? Together? Was it, like, really hard? And so-, so Cheryl thinks that something might be up. Is this about Polly? Is this about your missing sister? And she's like, yeah, we... We think she's dead. Don't know what this is going to do to my mom. So basically, Betty's trying to research grief. And a very personal one person at a time. God, Betty, like, you should understand grief by this point. Like, look at all the shit your family's been through. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, back at uh, school, mm-hmm. Archie... rushes into the locker room and he's like, why aren't you all ready for practice? And they're like, Derek transferred. He was recruited by Stonewall. We are screwed. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think this is some uh, Hiram dirty dealing? Uh, I think mom definitely wanted to get out. Yeah, yeah. Little Hiram, but definitely like a lot of mom. It's another school right next door. Yeah. The only school that wins. It's exactly what Derek needs. Yeah. Uh, so, like, Archie to Veronica is all like, you know, I can't, I can't blame him. He's got a good shot. But, like, we're down a player. Like, we only had 11, so, like, we can't even play now. One of their friends just died? Kevin's entire life is imploding, and all anyone can think about is football. Yes. Archie spent his nearly his entire life living next door to Polly Cooper, who just died. Yes. That's the mother of Cheryl's brother's children? Meanwhile, they also all just saw one of their other friends definitely showing his alcoholic side. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And no one cares. But, but the football, though. But, but the, the football. football. But the football, the though. The football. Veronica's got another idea to rally the troops, of course. Uh, Betty goes home. Uh, Alice is now not responsive until... She says, like, I heard from the FBI. And then she's like, whoop. Whoop. That that wakes her up, like saying, uh, treat. I got a treat in front of a sleepy dog. It's okay. She's still sleepy. Betty's, you know, obviously going to start to tell her about the truth about Polly. But But she lies. She says lies. She says it's O positive blood that they found. So it couldn't have been Polly. Betty. 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 Oh, Betty. There's a tearful hug. Both of them are crying. Betty, you know what might have been a better choice? First off, the truth. But if you couldn't get there, maybe just not say anything until Uh, you're ready to say something. It it reminds me of, I think, another Rachel Talalay Doctor Who episode. 
Ah. The, the doctor and Clara hug, and they're like, oh, why do you hate hugging so much? It's, oh, because you hide your Aww. face. Yeah. yeah. When they're both lying to each other. Yeah. yeah. It's that kind of hug. The next morning, Betty comes down. Alice has snapped back. Uh, oh, my God. Has to- she? I don't even want to say herself, but like a different version of like Supermom. She has become Better Homes and Gardens magazine. She has inhaled it. And she's just like spewing things about cold cuts a lot and how like (laughs) I ordered cold cuts and you need to go get the cold cuts. Can you go get the cold cuts platter for me? Cold cuts. There's just a big plate of scones she's been baking all night. Uh, she's hosting the support group. That is what is going on. Because she, she got transferred to, to the still there's hope side of the support group. Well, she was already in there. Yeah, but now she's really feeling it. Yeah. Uh, Jughead gets called into the principal's office and he's like, <laughs> what's up, Waldo? Lerman's parents are there. Yes, the Logan family. Uh, and they're they're pretty uh, pissed that... <laughs> hey, uh, somebody here tells me that uh, you're saying I beat my kid. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Hey, uh, is, what's up with that? You think this conversation is going to start with, why are you saying I'm abusing my child? But no, no. It starts with, why are you encouraging him to be obsessed about death and stuff? Monsters? What, what the fuck's up with that? Yeah, they're very concerned that their their child is writing sci-fi horror stories. Uh, they're a little upset that they're being accused of of heinous crimes and and terrible acts, but it's really the 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 fiction that, that is is getting their dander up. This is what I'm like. This isn't real because that <laughs> child would not have rushed home and told his parents this shit. <laughs> no, 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 and no one called them. That's not that's not how teenagers work. Mm-hmm, you don't tell mm-hmm. your parents shit. No. No. Rule number one. No. Code of silence. Code of silence. The thin teen line. And then eventually when you're like 40, you start to tell your parents about the legal shit you did. Mm-hmm. But not until then. You don't tell them anything. No. They're not even allowed to listen to this show. No. No. If you are listening right turn now, mother, off. turn it off. You are not allowed into this part of my life. <laughs> I will block you on all social media. You get history honeys. That's what you get. And I don't even like that. I don't like that you get that. That's the compromise. She keeps trying to find me on Instagram. (laughs) I keep blocking her. (laughs) Is this where we get the therapy scene? Oh, is that not what we're doing right now? I mean, in the episode therapy scene. That's like next, but we're not there yet. Jughead's just like, well, yeah, I thought there was trouble at home. Like, I thought you were beating your kid. And they're like, no. So they're just like, this is never going to happen again. We don't want him teaching our son. And Waldo's like, yeah, okay, we'll put him in a different class. It's fine. Whatever what you want. What other class? There are now 99 students at this school. What other English teacher? And so the parents leave. And Waldo just, like, goes into Jughead about how, like, he better not ever break protocol again. He vetted those parents. And, and like, one more thing and you're done. And I'm like, Waldo, what do you mean you vetted them? That sounds fucking weird. <laughs> What's your fucking protocol? And can you really afford to lose a teacher? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Especially a teacher who knows the school so well. He's practically lived there. Oh, oh wait. Hey, Waldo, you remember that time that one of your students was homeless and living in the school and you never fucking knew? (laughs) Waldo is not really good at uh, uh, child safety. No. No. 
I'm like, I'm not going to hold him joining a cult against him, but other people might. I will. He He's still got the, the, the missing fingers. Well, they're not just going to grow back. Anything can happen. Archie lost his bear scars. Reconstructive surgery is, is really going places in this show. What happened to their budget? <laughs> Meanwhile... Uh, Cheryl, uh, is on damage control. She has gathered Fangs and Kevin together. What she needs to control is this collar. Her shirt is eating her alive. (laughs) It's huge! Uh, so she has called them there because she believes in hashtag clangs. Oh, that one's Uh, awful. And she, she feels bad that she definitely was part of bringing up some deeper issues and that they should talk about it. The, the way that this scene starts with its framing, I, I really like because the camera's directly behind Cheryl. Yeah. And so she's dividing Kevin on yeah. one side, Fangs on the other. They, they may be sharing a couch, but they are in separate spaces. I see you. I see you, Rob Seating Glance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The scene... I mean, like, first off, like, Cheryl, what the fuck are you doing? But, like, thank you for doing something, because someone needs to pay attention to them. Why is it Cheryl, though? Why are we trusting Cheryl? Can you think about how much better this would have been if this was, like, Sheriff Keller? What if Miss Burble came back? What's she up to? Like, Sheriff Keller being like, no, Kevin, sit your ass down. You are going to talk to your fiancé. We're going to work this out. You don't have to get back together, but you have to do something. You have a child coming. You at least need to work this out enough to have, like, shared custody. Yeah, you can cancel an engagement, but it's too late to cancel this baby. Mom wants it. It's coming. So Fangs is just like, oh, it's like heartbreaking. Yes. Because he, he, he wants it so bad. He wants to be with Kevin. He wants them to be And together. wants to understand them. And he is committed to this very terrible idea of having Cheryl Blossom be your relationship counselor. Yes. <laughs> he's opening up immediately and he's challenging Kevin to do the same. And Kevin is not not yeah. doing that. No, thank you. No, no. Uh, Fangs uh, brings up that he, he you know, it almost seems like Kevin's ashamed of being gay and like being with him and committed. Kevin shoots that down immediately. He's not ashamed of being gay. He is so stereotypically in love with being gay. Uh, and a big thing he shouts out is like, you don't know my experiences. And Kevin, or Fangs is just like, I, I want to. I want to know everything about you. The good, the bad, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I am committed to this. And Kevin runs out. Yeah. that that's what we're doing. It's too much. <sighs> Ugh, my boys. My boys. Would you trust Cheryl with the health of your relationship? No! So they're both on pretty firm ground here. I think everybody's justified in their actions. I just, I just want them to be okay. Betty goes to pick up the cold cuts tray from Pops. (laughs) Yes, this vitally important plot, the cold cuts. So I guess they're like Manny's now? Like, this is where you... They've done catering before. I know, but it's usually burgers... Didn't they cater the the baby shower? Probably. Who yeah. knows? I, don't I know. love the ba- remember the baby shower for the twins. Yeah, it was one of Nana Rose's first big scenes. This is where Archie was an asshole to Jughead about his dad being in the serpents. <laughs> <laughs> but it's when Jughead was such a nice supportive boyfriend, setting out the little tea trays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all the little cakes. Yeah, all oh, those days. I like I like this interaction mm-hmm. it's not necessarily like good things but it's it's <laughs> it's connecting back to 
old Jughead and Betty, mm-hmm. like their friendship. And I, so I love that Jughead is someone Betty trusts so much that she can open up and tell the truth and who she lied to. Yes. Be- Jughead knows everything about Betty's big mistake. It starts off with a joke about like, oh, you having a party? I wasn't invited. Uh, and then it, you know, comes out that it's for her mom and is one of the first people who's like, how is she doing? Yeah. Like, your sister's missing. How is she? Um, and she lets him know about the developments in the case and the blood and how it's probably her and, you know, she lied. Yes. And stuff. Um, and, and so Jughead's like, hey, mystery team, let's go. I know a fucking weird ass dude. On the Lonely Highway. He's watching everybody because he's bored as shit. He doesn't have anything else to do. I can, like, totally leave right now and we can, like, go see him if you want. They do. Mm-hmm. Before we get there, it's football time. Yeah. <laughs> what? The the only business Jughead had at, at work that day was the cold cuts tray. Yeah. So that's done. He yeah. can leave. Uh, so it's football practice. Archie's doing one of his pep talks about how, like, the Bulldogs are a team and we play for each other and the love of the game. You know, those highs and lows of football. Uh, as a response to the kids saying, we only have 10 players, though. We cannot legally play the game of football. Doesn't matter. It's the love. The love in your heart. I love to actually get to play the game of football. <laughs> so then uh, Veronica brings one of her connections. Yes. Which is T-Dub. T-Dub, a professional sportsman from the New York Goliaths. Not the Giants. No, no. The Goliaths. Uh, he was a lawyer, loyal customer of hers back in New York. Yes, yes. Uh, and he, he gives a pep talk, and he's like, you're the damn Bulldogs! That's what you are! They, Let's do football! And, like, he, he is a hometown hero. Like, these kids recognize him. It, it seems like uh, Britta has a T-Dub poster on her bedroom wall or something from the way she, she looks at this guy. And he offers to play with them, and I think that is a bad idea. This man will murder these kids. He lives in a weight room. Uh, and so they go off and, and Archie's all like, well, this is nice, but like, we're still down a player. And Veronica's like, oh, no, no. There are plenty of interested people now. And all these like teens rush into the bleachers. Because they, they love celebrities. And so she just walks over and he's like, hey, who wants to play football? And they're all like, me. Yeah. They want to play with the team that plays with T-Dub. Because the team that plays with T-Dub was bought and paid for by the lady that sells jewelry to T-Dub. We all love T-Dub. This doesn't seem like a long-term game plan. They just need to score one point. Uh, so meanwhile, over at Hiram's lair, uh, he's like, we have a problem. The interest in the Bulldogs has grown. Reggie makes the fair point that they still suck ass at football, though. No matter how many people watch them, they're very bad at football. We're just going to crush them on the field. It's fine. And Hiram is like, no, no, you're not. We're going to get them where it hurts. And Reggie's like, hold up. I'm not breaking some kids' legs. (laughs) That's why you're soft, Reggie. And so Hiram's like, fine, you're benched. I'm the coach now. And Reggie's like, fine, I'm going to go cheer with the Bulldogs. Fuck you. This is the most obvious and just pointless self-destruction Hiram Lodge has ever done. Because, you know, what really uh, wrecks a team's cohesion and ability to, to perform as a unit. It's firing the coach last minute and replacing him with a stranger. <laughs> 
your sport is wrestling. It's very different. There's no teamwork in wrestling. I love that Hiram is that petty. There's no ball in wrestling. And I love that Reggie, okay, you might want me to shoot my friends. That's fine. You want me to burn down my friend's house? That's fine. You want me to break a kid's legs? That's not fine. That crosses a line for His me. only line is the age of majority. That's it. Yeah. You turn 18, you are fair game. But it's a child. It's a kid. <laughs> I don't murder kids, boss. I just don't. They, they have a fight. They have a real falling out, a boss and henchman. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's like, okay, I'll be at the game too. Cheering for the Bulldogs. Fuck you. That's what I said like three okay. minutes ago. I even said the fuck you. <laughs> fuck everybody. Jughead takes Betty via motorcycle to uh, go visit old man Dreyfus. And he makes the mistake of introducing her as an FBI agent. And I'm shocked he doesn't shoot her right, right where she stands. Old man Dreyfus seems the type. Right. I'm Nick the census man. That's the scene. <laughs> Dad says I should shoot people with the bank. So uh, Betty fills him in on, you know, how how her sister went missing and the, the payphone and everything. Apparently, there's only one payphone on the Lonely Highway. The entire stretch. Just one. Very specific about the payphone on the Lonely (laughs) Highway. How many payphones have you seen lately? They're a a disappearing breed. Okay, well, first off, it's Riverdale. (laughs) I think the only payphones that still work in the city of Chicago are in the trains. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is so weird because no one can hear shit down there. <laughs> that is so true. And, like, you put in your quarter or whatever, and then the train comes by <laughs> and, like, stands for a while, and you're trying to talk while there's also, like, a live band playing in the tunnel. Like, worst place to make a phone call. But everything Betty is saying is lining up with old man Dreyfus's theories, and he knows exactly what's happened. You can tell, because anytime the camera cuts to him, he does the same lean forward and clasp hands. Oh. Like, there are two consecutive shots where he does it the same way identically, and that's just, oh, that's a rough edit. You gotta catch that. It's really well, distracting. Maybe the Dreyfus is just, like, stuck in a loop in his own body. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe it's like a hint ah, yeah, about yeah. time being lost and repeated. But he knows exactly what happened to Polly. She got taken by the Mothmen with their anti-gravity electron beams, uh, which, which when they create their their energy field, just shreds phone booths like paper mache. You see it every time. Yep. He's like, I've been listening to the chatter on my radio. And it's just like... <laughs> and through all of this, Betty's face... just turns and she keeps glancing at Jughead and he's just like, fuck, she gonna kill me? Yeah, yeah, it's it's very much a moment like, I trusted you and you brought me this bullshit? My sister died, are you mocking me? Okay, so here's the thing. I can't blame Jughead because when he presented the idea, he was like, he lives off the lonely highway, he hears about a lot of shit. Yes. Maybe he saw or heard something. Whereas old man Dreyfus does not care for for your paltry uh, uh, train spotting or, or, yeah, I saw so-and-so two days ago. No, no, no. No, no, no. They... Old man Dreyfus is constantly at 11. <laughs> <laughs> so they go back out to the bike and Betty is just so fucking pissed at him. Yes. And 
Jughead's like, you know, the weird things happen. Especially in Riverdale. I just, I don't think we should, like, you know, leave any stone unturned. And she was like, oh my fucking God, someone's murdering women. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about aliens. What the fuck? <laughs> and you could just tell he wants to be like, I lost time. Yeah. Maybe things are connected. What's going on with me is what's going on with other people. And there is, uh, uh, beyond their disagreement of what, you know, to do in the moment, there's a disagreement over what is possible. Yes. Uh, uh, While Jughead is pointing out, you know, that there are unexplained things in Riverdale, I would like for Betty to respond, no, there aren't. We explained them all. It was usually one of our dads. Or drugs. Or drugs. (laughs) <laughs> I think the only really unexplained mystical looking thing is whatever happened to that weird deer in the Tales from the Dark Side okay. episode. More than that, we got the deer. Why the fuck was Archie seeing werewolves? Okay, all right, we got werewolf v- visions. There's at least those two. There's there's a very short list of unexplained mystical things. I feel like there's maybe another one. Maybe something else. Flying babies. F- flying babies. So uh, Betty gets home and uh, she is remembering her like last conversations with Polly and none of them are good. They're all real bad. And so then she has this moment where she just kind of stares and we zoom in on her eyeball and you're like, oh, fuck, this ain't good. An entire 16 by 9 just filled with with, uh, uh, Betty's eyeball and lids. So what'd she do? She grabs her gun and puts a lot of bullets in it. And you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Much like her mother, Betty's not here right now. Uh, and, and she rushes down the stairs go- going around. And I just love the little, like, set decoration touches of yeah. the twins' toys scattered around and in the staircase. Yes. It's very cute. The thing I think that They is, like to play with dinosaurs. Is uh, so interesting about everything with the twins is that... You know Alice would have never allowed any of them to leave their toys. Mm-hmm. No toy out of place. But Alice has been sleeping 19 hours a day on the on the couch. Well, I mean, like, even before Polly went missing. Yeah, yeah. Like, the place was in shambles. And, you know, it's the whole thing, like, grandparents let their grandkids get away with stuff. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just to a different extreme here. <laughs> Meanwhile... Kevin goes to the steam room. At the El Royale. You know, his gym slash firehouse. And there's this dude in there named Shane, who he's never seen before. Shane is visiting from L.A. Because when you're passing through Riverdale, as people do, I guess, and you want to go to a gym slash firehouse. (laughs) You go to the El Royale. Yeah. It's a very weird scene. Archie, who are you letting in your steam room? We need to vet these people. Yes, we do, because here's what happens. Dude's all like, you know, explains that, and then Kevin's like, oh, well, I guess it's true what they say about guys from L.A. is that they're hot. And the dude giggles, and then he's like, well, what do they say about guys from Riverdale? And Kevin's like, you tell me. And then next thing you know, this guy's pummeling Kevin's face into the tile because he's a raging homophobe. Yeah, yeah. So so the way this escalates is they start very clearly flirting. Shane is 
totally flirting. Sheena's flirting. Fuck? Sheena's flirting with Kevin. And the moment it switches is when Kevin puts his hand on Shane's knee. Once you pass that line of even implausible deniability, that's when the switch is flipped. And the dude goes from friendly chuckles to, what? What? Did you think I was like you? you uh, and then, yeah, just bloody broken noses in the steam room. Like, yeah, you motherfucker! Like a light switch, this guy, as soon as his knee gets touched. And it's terrifying. It's terrifying. I honestly thought this was, like, some weird, like, nightmare sequence. Yeah, not until we see... I was waiting see... for, like, okay, this isn't real. It felt unreal until we see the next scene with Kevin and he is still bloody. Yes. that That's what it takes to convince you that this actually happened. I think it is a chilling illustration of, you know, what what the experience of yes. homophobia and discrimination can be. Yes. To not know what's going to happen until it is way too late. Yes. It's already happening. My cheekbone has shattered. Yeah. Like, completely. I think why it was, like, so jarring in this is that Riverdale doesn't go there. Yeah. Yeah. They, they haven't, like... Like, that was just very extreme for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is why I was like, "This what? What is this? Is this a dream? Is this a what? What is?" And and also the unreality of having an out of place element. Who's yes. the, I've never seen a Shane before. What's a stranger doing in the steam room? And I was suspicious of this dude immediately. I right, was like, "What right. the fuck are you doing there? Why are you at the firehouse?" <laughs> so it's, it's, it's he's a tank salesman. Actually, he's not there for the gym. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is a lot. My my poor boy. Uh, but we, we have to go check in on Betty, who is observing the trucks mm-hmm. uh, and watching, you know, girls go into them. Betty becomes a slasher villain. Yeah. So Betty just uh, starts opening doors of trucks and telling the girls to get out and then punching the shit out of dudes. Yes. Th- this is the weirdest, worst. Uh, uh, well, OK, not worst. Everyone survives. Sex worker sting. It's bad. Yeah. Back to Kevin. Which like, is... the show doesn't condone what Betty's doing, clearly. Like, she's out of control. She is wrong for this. But it's still bad. Yeah. I wish this wasn't happening even in TV, you know? Yeah. And so we we go go to Kevin, who uh, his dad is giving him a, an ice pack, mm-hmm. and he he confronts him. You know, he's like, "I'm I'm terrified for you. I, yeah. I don't know what's going on. Not only the situation happening, but everything else." Right. He's um, scared for his boy. So so Kevin, in the this moment of vulnerability and and pain, physical uh, among others. Uh, he, he does admit that, yes, sometimes he is ashamed of himself. He is ashamed of his homosexuality. But but Tom, Papa Tom. <laughs> Papa Tom is immediately like, is it something I did? Like, where is this coming from? What What is this? Kevin reassures him that, no, no, he, he's been nothing but supportive and loving all the time. However, he does have memories of his mother being less accepting. And the illustration he gives is the most benign, innocuous. It's like a textbook microaggression, I guess. Yeah. Like, they're, they're going clothes shopping for school, and she mentions having to, to buy him husky clothes. And... Something about the tone of it, something about the the unstated meaning of uh, getting him, you know, macho outfits in, in, in making a point of that. 
I don't know if macho is what it was going for. Like, I was a little confused about this, because husky is normally the term used for, like, plus-size children's clothing. Yes. For boys. Yes. So, like... I don't know, because we've only seen Kevin. We haven't seen pictures of pre-sophomore year Kevin. So And Casey yeah. Cott has always been a fit and trim yeah. man. Well, so that's the thing. Like, it was confu- <laughs> To me, it was a little confusing, because it seemed like it was implying masculine, mm-hmm. as you were just saying. But the husky term implies, like, was was he a chubby kid? Mm-hmm. Either way, the rest of the story lines up with either of those, I was guess. Was he a little Bobby Hill? Uh, and we it was, love Bobby Hill. love Bobby Hill. But, like, what happened after was he, like, lied about where he was going. And it was when he went, instead of going and hanging out with Betty, he went to Fox Forest. Mm-hmm. Which he didn't know was a cruising site. But he sure found out that day. Ran into a guy... A guy who complimented him a lot and and made him, you know, feel good about himself for the first time. And mm-hmm. it just, like, washed away everything that his mom had ever said to him. And he's just been cruising ever since. And he doesn't, like, know how to stop. Or, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to not be that person who needs that, like, validation from others. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the weirdest cliche to say that... I didn't feel supported by my mother, so I've been having anonymous gay sex in the woods. It's weird that that's a cliche, but it feels like it is. Yes. But the the way that it's delivered, like, the, the example that comes to mind has so many holes in it that, like, if you were to just write that out and deliver to somebody who wasn't in your corner, who wasn't a loving, supportive, caring father like Tom Keller, who has a whole lot of other context because, you know, that's his late wife, you know, yes. he's talking about. Yeah. Uh, uh, would just look at it like, so so what? Your your mom said an awkward thing. Was But that's one of presumably thousands of things that you weren't there. You don't know what that meant to him. And and I like that you have to follow Kevin on that journey because we have followed Kevin through 85 episodes. Mm-hmm. And we, we trust Kevin to know what's up with Kevin, even if he has finally told us. We, we've been waiting for this story since yes. since season two. Yes. There, there are very good father-son hugs and, and stuff of being there for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that they addressed we, we've had more of like addressing kevin what's going on with kevin yes it's just we need to talk about kevin we need to talk about kevin Logan Lerman. different movie i just don't think i like none of this was what i expected right like i didn't expect the scene that came before this because mm-hmm. again oh, God. i was like dream sequence what is this like i expected something i guess similar but not that mm-hmm mm-hmm but so, supportive so, papa, that's, you know. So the direction we seem to be going in, and mm-hmm. of course, this, is, this isn't this is necessarily how it's going to work out over the next 1 to 12 episodes, mm-hmm. but the direction we seem to be going is that Kevin cannot accept a loving and supportive home uh, with a husband or, or yeah. a fiance uh, because he cannot accept himself as a man who has a supportive, open, loving gay relationship. Yeah. His, his sexuality is a thing that is not welcome in the home, the family setting. It's something that he does to find validation from anonymous strangers. Yes. So you gotta work on that, because you got a baby on the way, my guy. You need to get back together. <laughs> my God. 
How's that child supposed to survive with only two parents in this world? Seriously. So, uh, Betty goes and beats down on more dudes. And one of <laughs> she them- is the truck terminator. Like, I, I expect to see, like, a POV shot and, and it's, like, predator vision. All, all, like, heat maps. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, and so one of the dudes she finds is the dude that she found before when she was looking for Polly and Bob. posed as Polly and totally, like, arrested. Uh, so this time she beats him unconscious. Ties him to a tree, which is against the rules. Kidnapping is not allowed in the FBI manual, Betty. And she has beat the shit out of him more. When they kidnap people, you call it arrest? That's how you're allowed to kidnap people. Uh, and she, she pulls her gun on him. And she's like, you know, you've been preying on these girls. You know, no, no one protected them. You she's can- blaming herself. She's blaming herself verbally. For, yes. for what happened to Polly? Uh, he, he tries to say, like, you know, please don't. I have a family. And she's like, well, I have a sister. Had. She uses the past tense. Very uh, meaningful in this case. She cocks her gun. Uh, and she she's like, you know, no one looked out for them, but I can deliver justice. And she points the gun at him. And just when she's ready to shoot, she gets a phone call. Jughead from- has saved a life today. Because here's what's happened with Jughead is that he got a call from Waldo that Lerman is missing. He ran away. And so Jughead's like, it's okay. I know some people. Call for help. We'll find him. Not calling the cops. Well, he calls a fed. That's the first person on his list. I mean, I guess it's good he didn't call Keller because Keller's a little busy right now. There's yeah, you, some emotional stuff you, going on. You can't rely on the one sheriff in in all of the actual real Rockland County. He took a PTO day. <laughs> Tom Keller is the only sheriff for 326,000 people. <laughs> I love that we have a name of the county. I, I have so much, again, Googling to do. We have so many things to find out. He He is calling Betty... To help find Lerman, he he's on the lonely highway somewhere. Betty's like, well, I'm by there. Let's meet halfway. Uh, and he hangs up. Betty is then faced with the fact, like, she would just go shoot this dude. So she's like, okay, uh, I'll send someone to un- untie you tomorrow, if I remember. Bum, bum, bum. And leaves him in the woods <laughs> to get eaten by a deer. Mm-hmm. A devil deer. Those carnivorous devil deer. Uh, so meanwhile, it's football time! It's football time! Back to more important things. Football. Uh, so it's time for a football game. Uh, Reggie is there to support in his Bulldogs gear. Yeah, Right he next is. to Veronica and Tabitha, and it's very sweet, honestly. I'm very excited. <laughs> and, uh, so we have, uh, Derek and Britta fist bumping before the coin toss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because quarterbacks, is that what you called them? Yes, that is what you call them. <laughs> well, I know that's a football thing, but that's like, those are the people who do that? Well, the the coin toss is done by whoever. It oh, doesn't okay. matter. It's often a team captain. It's often a quarterback. Britta, we know, is the quarterback because T-Dub compliments her arm, and that is the only person who does any throwing. Oh. So so we know Britta's the quarterback. Okay. Also, we see her playing that position in, in some scenes to come. Footballs. <laughs> 
I wonder what what she plays on defense. She might also be the place kicker. Everybody's everything on this team. Eleven hmm. players. Uh, but we'll have to wait for more football because we got to go check in with Jughead, who caught up to Betty, and Betty has found Lerman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he was apparently in a like daze, walking down the highway, and still kind of is because suddenly he snaps out of it and he's like, "Mr. Jones, did it happen again?" Bum bum bum. They uh, go to Weatherby's office. And we have a Logan family reunion. What basically happened is he's been sleepwalking for he has years. A, he has a long, long history of sleepwalking. He often hurts himself when he's sleepwalking. Like, they they lay out everything that happened like it's the end of an Encyclopedia Brown mystery, basically. Yeah. They would lock him in his room to for his own safety so he wouldn't keep, like, breaking his bones as he's yes. sleepwalked. But it's okay, because his room is the entire basement. He he had room and, to roam. I guess. And Jughead's like, so you're the mole people who kept locking him up. <laughs> so that's where the, the injuries in his mind came from. And he would uh, uh, wind up wandering the lonely highway sometimes. One time for an entire week until he was found by someone unnamed who I can only presume is going to be old man Dreyfus. Uh, and they didn't want Jughead talking about this stuff with him because they were worried it would trigger it to happen again. Yes. Like it did. Dun, 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 dun. I, I guess there's uh, uh, some validation for their theory. And and Daddy Logan uh, says something about, like, God only knows what draws him to that highway. <laughs> Apparently it's the only place people go nowadays, so I don't know. Have you seen the rest of town? It's the only place that's not on fire. Don't know how we didn't hear about it for years, but... Uh, there used to be other places not on fire. Uh, so Betty and Jughead go to Pops, and they're like, okay, this is not a coincidence. This is super weird. He was missing for a week? Did I hear that right? Their son was missing for a week? And Polly's missing. Other people are going missing. This is not a coincidence. And Something's up. Something's pulling these people to and, the highway. And Betty's like, well, you know... When Polly called, my mom did say it sounded like she was on an alien spaceship. <laughs> Jughead's jaw drops like, uh-huh, uh-huh, oh, rational explanations for everything. Oh, I see, I see how it is, I see, all right, and, all right. And then they have a whole conversation about, like, well, if they let him go, why didn't they let Polly go? What's going on? I mean, they did let Polly go, then they hit her with a truck. So I, I like to think here that, like, you know, Betty, Betty is accepting the fact that the same people are kidnapping people. But they're people, and mm-hmm. they're just holding them in similar places. Jughead is like aliens. <laughs> it's definitely aliens. Um, so back to the football times. Back to the football times. But not just the football times, the dancing times. Because it is time for some cheer time with Cheryl coming out in an HBIC jumpsuit, singing a song I don't know what it is. Stupid Love. She's singing Stupid Love. It, it's Lady Gaga's new stuff. It, it came out just a year ago. Oh, that would explain why I don't know it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they they do a whole cheer thing, and we get a montage of football and cheer. As so, it looks like they're just doing the the halftime performance during the game. Well, it rains. <laughs> It's very, very silly. Uh, uh, Archie and Hiram make a lot of faces at each other as they coach. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very any given Sunday, very Friday night lights, because the problem with filmed football is all the pads and the helmets. Yes. Coaches are the only people who you can actually see in a football game. There's also, I'd like to point out, no Tony in any of this. I wonder if someone was extremely pregnant. 
I have been wondering how many of these episodes were written or planned with the idea that Tony may or may not be available. Yeah. Yeah, she might not be in this one because somebody could have been too busy having or about to be having baby. Yes. Bulldogs are getting the shit beat out of him. Absolutely wrecked. Wrecked with an R-E-K-K-E-D. It is 52 to 0. <laughs> uh, and what I love is uh, Archie calls for them to circle up. And the thing is, is apparently they're so bad at football, they don't know what circle up means because he's like, circle up, circle up, we make a circle, a circle. And he's gesturing circle hand gestures at them and it seems like they're struggling look he's not a geometry teacher they don't have a geometry teacher and he's like don't pay attention to the scoreboard this is about heart don't give up on yourself and you can't lose if you don't and we're gonna make it a night to remember and i'm just like oh my god he tells them to leave it all out there which i believe means blood and bones (laughs) He is using every single inspirational phrase that he knows, except for... The epic highs and lows of high school football. Every single other one. Every... He doesn't want to remind him of the lows. They're living the lows. Like, a kid gets drop kicked in this. I think he has a daily, one of those, like, daily pull calendars where each day is a different football inspirational quote, and he memorizes them, which is why he has so many to use. But the thing is, they all really fit coming out of Archie's mouth. He is a living golden retriever, and I believe he thinks in these phrases. Like, it's a natural fit for him. These are the daily mantras he gives himself. (laughs) Make it a night to remember. That's what he says whenever Veronica comes over. So he says that one, and he must have a moment where he thinks, no, wrong one. That's for something else. Leave it all on the field. We're having sex outside today. (laughs) So then it's time for slow-mo football. Hell yes. Uh, And they uh, do a trick play. I I was expecting a very silly trick play, like in in the little giant's mold. But not quite. It's just, uh, uh, Britta just scrambles for a while. She takes the option and runs it herself. Uh, uh, she has a real nice line of blockers, dodges a few tackles in her own right, and finally, with one last surge, all but trips over the goal line. The Bulldogs have scored for the first time. That girl just got $10,000. Britta has paid off her mother's mortgage. Uh, I do love that Reggie, like, well, everyone's very excited, but Reggie is like, as this is all happening, like slow motion standing, getting ready to just scream and cheer. Hiram splits his his clipboard in twain, <laughs> as is his want. Uh, so afterwards, uh, Archie and Veronica hug on the side of the field and are, you know, it's like, okay, well, I think we're starting to win the, the town over. Yes, they saw their team lose 52 to 6. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and Derek comes over because he's a good sport and he's like, coach, like, good game. And it's one of those things of like, look, Archie, you taught him so much and he's going to go so far Yeah, for yeah. a different team. He gives him one more bit of coachly advice and like, you you've get the feeling that he's not going to forget the coach that made him the, the star player he is for an actual good team. <laughs> the next day, uh, Jughead uh, goes to see Waldo. Makes a joke about how, like, guess this is gonna be a regular thing. Ha ha ha. <laughs> Isn't it weird calling me in the office and not having the cops here? <laughs> so weird. I mean, he did almost get fired earlier today, so. <laughs> yeah, but like, the amount of times Waldo came to get him with cops <laughs> was a lot. 
Lerman has been pulled out of school and they have moved out of Riverdale. Yes. No forwarding information. Let's, very abruptly. Let's see you sleepwalk 400 miles now, Lerman. <laughs> You're never going to find that highway. Meanwhile, Betty uh, goes home mm-hmm. and to a she- crying mother. I thought I was free. I thought we were out. I thought we were done. But no, who comes around the corner but Agent Glenn, ready to ruin my day. And Glenn apparently has told Alice everything. Mm-hmm. And so Alice is very upset because Betty has lied to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, it made her think that there was hope. And Glenn is an asshole because he's like, well, I'm personally taking over this case. And we're going to do it by the book. We're not going to chain any truckers to trees overnight and threaten them with their lives. I'm going to do this right. I'm like, fuck you, Glenn. So so that is the, the end of the episode. We leave on uh, uh, Alice's betrayed, weeping face. It's going to be so hard in the future. It already was. But if Alice is ever a villain again, that's now, I think, impossible. Yeah. What could happen to, to make you love to hate her after she spent this entire season just falling apart piece by piece? In like Again. I mean, they've done it before. They've done it before. <laughs> Let's just be honest. But like, she's only given the one thing to do, which is have a nervous breakdown. But Madchen Amick, to her credit, finds a new place to be on that path in every scene. And she really sells it. Yeah. And it's really tragic. But, like, you think back to those first two seasons and any time she would enter a scene by announcing someone's full name and you knew you were in for some fun shit. Like, I don't yeah. think... That Alice is lost and gone. She can't be a villain anymore. She's too, like... You, you want to take care of her. You don't want to be angry at her anymore. Yeah. So, darling, what did you think of Chapter 85, Destroyer? You know, a lot happened. A lot of it was football. A lot, a lot of it happened. Was, I would say a majority of it was football. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just thinking about it now, and I really hope uh, Shane was arrested for assault. Yeah? Can we send Betty out to him? <laughs> I am okay with Betty beating the shit out of him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Throwing him in the woods, leaving him to vicious deer. I will say one thing about Betty. She's at least threatening these truckers with their lives out of a misplaced idea that any one of them could be Polly's killer. She's not doing anything to the sex workers. I mean, The fact that they might not have been paid yet, yeah, so I mean, they're losing yeah. their income. She's taking work off their table, sure. But as far as things cops do in these sorts of stinks... This is true. Though Betty... A better thing might be to, like, offer security and support to them Mm -hmm, in ways mm -hmm. that they would like. Maybe get the sex workers involved in the conversation. Help them form a union. Right? I'm sure there are advocacy groups working somewhere in in this county. We can find out now. I know the name of your county. I bet Tony would help if she wasn't giving birth right now. (laughs) That's where she is. That's where she is. I think this was a really interesting episode in how it mixed several varieties of what Riverdale yes. could be. Yeah. And therefore, what Riverdale is. You know, there, there, is, there is a world where the entire show was just things like the football plot. And we cared very much about normal high school things for very silly reasons. I don't know why Hiram cares this much. <laughs> else does he have to do in his life but there is also the kind of riverdale that is 
a supernatural adventure story that is dealing with the extraterrestrial threat that that is preying upon our our sweet impressionable children. Yes. If we are taking his parents' words as gospel, we know what the mole men represent. We still don't know what's up with the aliens in his story. So sleepwalking. Well, until the abduction. Exactly. Are the aliens old man Dreyfus? Maybe. Or maybe they're aliens. Mm-hmm. It was an interesting mixture of, like, dark. Mm-hmm. Really, like, dark subject matter. And then, like, again, the highs and lows of college football or high school football and the cheer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The cheer plot strikes me as weird. I wouldn't be shocked to hear, like, in a behind-the-scenes thing that they, they had a small Tony plot cut it because of baby time yeah and like we got to put something in to fill these minutes uh cheryl you want to make the cheerleaders about you a little bit let's yeah. let's lip sync or it was supposed to be like some other like it was supposed to be a scene between the two of them like there's supposed to be more there yeah maybe tony was involved in cheryl's therapy time but the actress wasn't available and so uh, musical number yeah because <laughs> it's a plot that doesn't really have a story. It's just stuff to fill time. Yes. We, we've been talking about Tony's absence, but I think we feel it because Tony is so much more of a character this season. Yeah. Tabitha is becoming a character this season. I think both of those uh, are probably in response to uh, in the time before pre-production when uh, several of the, the uh, black women in the cast currently and formerly, came forward with how uh, sidelined they felt as actors. They were correct. I mean, yeah. I mean, the audience can tell. Yep. (laughs) Melody never taught. Nope. Valerie just sort of disappeared into this. Yeah. I mean, we have years and years of talking about Josie being uh, uh, a wasted asset. But I think Kevin is getting the same treatment along with them Mm -hmm. and coming out of the background. I mean, two episodes in a row... We, we had, honestly, our first full Kevin episode yeah. in years, if not if ever. And now we've had a, a, a very strong immediately follow but B-plot yes. that is showing, as wild and weird as the show is, a, a capability, a willingness to try very serious uh, uh, topics through this still very strange lens. Like, yeah. the, the shame thing feels unreal, but I think it feels unreal for effect. It feels unreal to communicate... The, the mood, the, the unsureness, the paranoia. Yeah. More than, you know, the, the weirdness in Mothman time just communicating, we like this sort of aesthetic and think <laughs> it's fun to play with. Yeah. So uh, it is time to move on to our, our next segment. And we have mentioned the topic of, of this week's uh, uh, just a second ago. Darling, it is time once again to ask Valerie Brown, where were they then? The last time we saw her. Uh, she was performing as part of Veronica and the Pussycats at uh, at Pickens Day in the park. Which is when the the protest happened. Yes, to- Tony leading the serpents at, at, in protest. Uh, she was very inspired by this activism. Okay. Uh, and it, it uh, led her down a new path. A new path. So this started out uh, for a little while with just, you know, uh, some different protests. 
Okay. Uh, a lot of what like, sort of causes? Uh, she kind of tagged on to like whatever was going on for she she was feeling it out. Not totally sure. Okay. Okay. Um, she definitely really got in on the plastic straws are bad campaign. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um. Until you know she eventually started hearing about like well no like people need plastic straws you can't just get rid of them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that's ableism like come on so she dabbled a lot um definitely was trying to find herself in the years you know she definitely got in on like the vegan lifestyle which sure, is like fine sure. but then she took it to the extreme and became like a fruit fruitarian Ah, okay uh, ended up living on a farm in hawaii like a fruit farm raw fruitarian Yes. Okay, okay. Yes, like, those people who only eat, like, mangoes all day, like, they don't even (laughs) mix fruits, they just eat one fruit. She became a mangatarian. And then she realized, what the fuck? Dropped some of the crazy aspects there of, of, you know, just eating kiwi for 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Started to really become focused in her activism. Take it more seriously, not just dump on trends. What has she been doing recently? She has been uh, writing her own music okay. to raise money oh. for different charities. Uh, and right now she is currently living in a tree. Oh. To, because uh, she realized that instead of like focusing on, you know, how it's the people's problem for a lot of environmental issues, putting it on the corporations. And so she is focused on the logging industry right now, who's ah. trying to tear down hundreds of year old trees she's protecting old growth forest yes okay by living in it by living in it she's one of those people who's up there and like well you can't bulldoze this tree because i live here okay okay and she is uh tiktoking well there to the kids oh does she do all the latest dances no she 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 uh is in that uh not the dance tiktok but like the uh, I'm telling you how it is, TikTok. Okay. I'm very well informed, and okay. I'm sharing in 60 seconds what's going on in this tree. She's on Woke Talk. Yes, Woke Talk, and doing a lot of really good work for the people. I think after graduating, before all the rest of our, our cast, which mm-hmm. is why we didn't see her much, uh, she she like moves to the big city, she changes her name, she falls on some hard times, but that's okay. She falls for a boy, she gets pregnant, his family hates her, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, wind up torturing her, uh, damaging her cortical stack, uh, but she's rescued and trains for vengeance in a VR environment. Yeah. That's right. Altered Carbon is a Riverdale spinoff. It's canon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Valerie never went away. She just became a character in Altered Carbon. It's the same person. I think I like mine better. <laughs> I, I think I like the journey she goes on in mine. Okay. Of finding herself. But in mine, she gets to beat people up and shoot them real good. You don't think she has a gun in that tree? <laughs> My girl's got your back. Uh, so, darling, it is time to talk about predictions. What do you see coming around the bend? So I was reminded mm-hmm. during this episode of the flying babies. The f- what is going on? The flying babies sounds like a one skit act on The Muppet Show. Hey, the levitating babies. <laughs> As we know from Old Man Dreyfus, this is, this is a very long time issue yeah he talks going on he talks about what 77 and mm-hmm. 82 the sisters of quiet mercy were involved 
the cult in the woods were involved. Okay, again, everything's connected. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Because Polly was definitely a test subject for whatever these these mm. drugs are from the military base. While she was being hidden in at the sisters. While she was pregnant. Yeah. So the babies oh. were still had those drugs in them. Oh my god, I love this. Which is why they were levitating. I as, actually love this. Yes. Thank you. And so they're abducting her to... It's it's a long-term study. Yes. They got to keep bringing them back to see how their test subjects are doing. Very X-Files. Very yes. good. Because... And that's also... Other prediction here is... Lerman's family did not just leave. They are running. <laughs> they were taken home. Either they were running... Because mm-hmm. they finally figured mm-hmm. out what was going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Mom, dad, this is the situation. They actually believed him. Or, yes, they were abducted as a family because they need to test him back at the military base and whatnot. And so they just abducted everyone because the parents were getting in the way. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, I, I got some abduction-related ones, but I want to roll back. Mm-hmm. I want to pump the brakes a little bit. And how about this? We will get a special guest starring episode, The Return of FP, once Jughead's drinking problem gets further out of hand. Yes. He's going to show up and... He's going to have his own dad moment. He's going to have his own dad moment, but his is going to be, instead of, I'll always be here for you, son, moment, it's going to be the I was where you're going, son, moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Don't follow in my footsteps because I know where they lead, boy. Yeah. 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 I want... Tom, mm-hmm. to be the one that calls FP. Yeah, Like, you need to come back for your boy. We have to assemble the squad. <laughs> the dad squad. And like, again, Archie gets to come. But, like, I want that. Keller arrests him mm-hmm. for, like, driving oh. his motorcycle drunk or something, yes. you know? And yes. then he's like, hey, FP, you gotta come here. You gotta take care of your boy. Oh, you know who gets to join the hot dad squad? Mary. Mary Andrews cares about Jughead. She doesn't even live there. She'll come. Yeah. What if it's just an intervention of parents? If FP's coming from Ohio, she can come from Chicago. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, Glenn. Oh, you mean Skeletruck? Yeah. Yeah, so he's totally, uh, we've said it before, but, like, even more, I'm totally convinced that he is behind this shit. Mm -hmm. Involved, which is why he's suddenly there trying to cover shit up. Trying to take over this investigation from Betty. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because he wants to control the narrative. Yeah. Reggie will become a mole inside Hiram's operation, but Hiram will know immediately and uh, be feeding him bad information the whole time. Oh. Yeah. I was going to say, Reggie's going to be the new teacher at Riverdale High. Ooh, what would he teach? Okay, could he like do like home economics or something? I would love for him to take on something that's totally not him, but then we find out that like he's, he's like really good at cooking or some <laughs> shit. That you're like, what? Kevin can finally get rid of sex ed. <laughs> oh my, Reggie would love it. He'd, he'd be so into it. Yeah, all the gross out pictures of genital warts are just him. He has those at home. Seven years from now, Britta will coach a team of eight football players. <laughs> they will get a field goal and call it the greatest day in Bulldog history. Yeah. Hiram is going to break Archie's legs. <laughs> Hiram breaks Archie's legs, then a totally accidental fire breaks out on one of Hiram's properties, Uh. and they can't put it out. Hiram is hoist upon his own petard once again. (laughs) Old Man Dreyfus is the Mothman. Old Man Dreyfus is abducting people off the lonely highway. 
He might be doing it for good reasons. I think he certainly believes he's doing it for good reasons. If he's even aware, he could be getting controlled by the big yellow uh, hypnosis machine. I don't know. I just know that old man Dreyfus is taking people. Yeah. Yes. What if he's taking people because he thinks he's protecting them? Viable. I believe it. Protecting them from the military, Skeletruck, etc. Yeah. What if Glenn is old man Dreyfus's son? Oh, Glenn is young man Dreyfus. Young man Dreyfus. <laughs> oh, so yeah. So old man Dreyfus is trying to protect everyone from like Skeletruck. We could go this way. Skeletruck is separate from the military. And Skeletruck is abducting and killing women. But then we got the military also abduct- abducting and like people. Mm-hmm. And it's like this weird like who's abducting who? But old man Dreyfus is like... Just trying to protect everyone on the the highway because he's like, someone's going to abduct you. It might be my son. It might be the military. We don't know. (laughs) I protect you. Uh, So I think that brings us to what we know is going to happen. What is coming next in chapter 86, The Pincushion Man? The Pincushion Man, as far as I know, is not the name of a film. However, it is the antagonist in a mid-30s of Iwerks cartoon called Balloon Land. It is, I mean, when I say a mid-30s color cartoon, it is it, it is like an exemplar of the type. You, you would put this in a museum to judge other things against. I, I've seen it called a, a big inspiration for the video game Cuphead, and you absolutely see it. It is exactly that kind of animation. And the Pincushion Man is a real freak. I don't like him. He's bad. He's a bad man, and he is constantly performing autofellatio. Oh my. I don't like it. This will be, however, the mid-season finale. Yes. We're back next week, and then we're not for a while. And we don't know when. Not not with Riverdale episodes, at least. Uh, So what we know from the trailer. Kevin is held at gunpoint. Yes. Jug and Tabitha have a romantic dip. Are they going to smooch? It looks like they're about to. Uh, Betty slaps Glenn. There's guns in people's faces. There's a lot of tension. There's Mothman and a drainage pipe. Nothing is fully lit. Nothing. Hiram says, tick, tick, boom. And I say, that is a hint to what the musical's gonna be. (laughs) Prediction! They're they're all gonna get worried about turning 30? Yes! Never mind the seven-year... Don't do the math. Just... Don't do the fucking math. They're all worried about turning 30 now. They're all going to do tick, tick, boom. Why do we play with fire? (laughs) Why do we run our fingers through the flame? That's Reggie's line Uh as he's reflecting on his terrible past working for Hiram Lodge. Yeah. Can you, like... Why do we stay with lovers who we know down deep just aren't right? Like, you can totally imagine them doing green, green dress. <laughs> and Cheryl owns the dress. Come on. I, like... Okay, I know there was a ticking clock. Like, looked like a bomb thing. But I really hope that's just, like... Like, they'll do mid-season, you know, finale. Then, like, their trailer thing is, like, musical. Tick, tick, boom. And all God. the young kids will be like, What? Every fucking line of that last song applies to one of the characters of the show. At least one. I'm running it through, and I'm yeah. right. I'm right. Yeah. Oh, it'd God. Be good. <laughs> you know, we could totally do a dramatic reading. I have a copy. It it's the right show. there. It's right next to uh, Chekhov and, and <laughs> Angels in America. So you're saying this is Chekhov's Tick, Tick, Boom by Jonathan Larson. Complete book and lyrics. Yeah, we could, you know, let's roll with this for a sec, okay? 
I feel bad that you, you feel, feel bad, bad about, about <laughs> feeling bad. <laughs> it's an equally effective therapy scene as the one in this episode. Yeah. Raul Esparza is so fucking good, y'all. Just go listen to everything Raul Esparza ever sang. And like there's Done. stuff about a diner. It'd be it'd be good. This would make so much sense. Does Tabitha sing? Can she be convinced to sing? There, there's your the yeah. therapy. Song. I feel bad that you feel bad about me feeling bad about you feeling bad about what I said about what you said about me not. Share my feelings. It's a good song. Raul Esparza. You need to listen to everything Raul Esparza has ever sung. More people need to do tick tick boom. Okay, but why would you do Tick, Tick, Boom when you can do Company? If you want to talk about a, a quarter-life crisis musical. <sighs> I don't know. Again, speaking of Raul Esparza. And Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, yes. Oh, boy. Also, both in this and Company. Yeah. What is it about people that play Johnny then being in Company? Were any of these other people in Hedwig? <laughs> Was Raul Esparza ever Hedwig? Wait a minute. So. Yeah, I, I suppose that's enough singing for one episode that doesn't have a... It had a musical number. That's true. We just don't know the song. They're doing a lot of Gaga this year. Between this and, and the, uh, the the movie oh, song. Oh, shall, Shallow? Yeah. From, from A Star Is Born? Yeah. He was her Bradley Cooper. Yeah, I don't like either of them that much, really. <laughs> At least I like some of Bradley Cooper's work. I can't say that for Chad. Thank you, Chad. <laughs> it's the end of the episode, which means all that normal business of, you know, you can follow fo us on on social media. Yeah, I got yelled at on Twitter by the Archie Comics account. <laughs> You're going to want to see what that was all about for yourself. You can also leave us a rating and review. Mm -hmm. uh, you can tell a friend. Yeah, you can. And I think that's really it. I think that's really That's really it. it. With that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant, and from us here at Sex Archie. So you're the mole people. Michael and I. I love you. <laughs> what a way to spend the day. Okay, I've created a monster. Hey, what a way to spend the day. <laughs>